0: Hey, it's Lindsay and Carmel with Single and Mighty. And today we're talking to Michelle Jacobic. About money. Money, money,
1: money, money, money. <laughs> I love, I love this episode uh, because money is one of those things that causes people a lot of stress, but don't, we don't always talk about it. So it's uh I love that we are getting into the nitty-gritty of money budgeting. And I love that Michelle shares her journey of regaining her financial footing after divorce. Because it can be tricky. And
0: I know you're pretty familiar with that with that journey. Absolutely. Yeah, it really resonated with me and I think as single parents, suddenly the onus is on each of us to create a financial future for ourselves. It's It's not going to happen that somebody is going to swoop in and, and solve everything for us. So we need to get our heads around money, budgeting, thinking bigger about money so that we can grow our financial future, all of those things. And Michelle is the perfect person to speak to this. Yes, not only has she had
1: her own single parent journey, but she's also a financial expert. So she's actually sharing uh, some really great tips, uh, the pillars for um, gaining control over your money, uh, over your life, actually, you know, kind of re- yeah. pressing the reset button on your life. So I am super excited to share this today.
0: Yeah, me too. All right, let's get into it.
1: We are so grateful to have you with us today. And one of the things that I'm super excited that we're going to be talking about is money, which is something that a lot of people hate to look at, but it is so, so important, especially if you want to do things in life, have things in life, uh, gain experiences in life. They all require some amount of money. And so I want to pull the pull the sheets off I don't know what the word I'm looking for is but you know off of that conversation and make it something that it's it's okay to talk about so the first thing I'd love to do is have you just share a little bit about your story like the Coles notes version of your single parent story
2: Yeah. So my story is, you know, up until 2009, things were going pretty rosy for me. I was married for 15 years, two amazing kids, the boy, the girl, the picket fence. And and I also had a successful business. And then in 2010, we got divorced and life changed dramatically. My expenses were higher. Our retirement and savings that we had built over 23 years together were literally split in half. And the truth was that I realized at that, you know, Transition stage of my life, and it was a planned transition, by the way. I was the one that you know things weren't working. It was brave enough, I think, to say like, hey, we've got to figure something out. And the figuring it out was, you know, a planned transition, which we were both like, yeah, we're going to get a divorce. That's not always the case, but that's what happened. And so I came into this, you know, thinking, okay, this is a decision that we're both making and, you know, it's all going to work out. We're going to be able to figure things out together and we'll just be better co-parents than we were in a marriage because we always did that really well the truth was that I had to rethink and reprioritize my life in order to gain my financial footing, which was that whole, everything gets split in half. Right. In addition to that in 2014, I decided that the price that I was paying to be as successful as I was, was taking a toll on both myself and my kids. And I'd made a decision to step away and retire from my business. That was like the financial stability and my complete identity in life. Right. So again, here I was, with crossroads, needing to make financial choices and changes, and When I went through these transitions, I became really interested and passionate about how to muster through life's transitions. And quite honestly, having to navigate it and figure it out for myself through those experiences, I figured out a process. And quite honestly, what's happened as a result is now I've been able to educate and work with hundreds of people in this area of financial stability, helping people really navigate those deep, dark, scary waters of transition, one of them obviously being divorce. And I think most most importantly, helping them just resettle those fears and shift into a place of empowerment. Like I'm in a scary place. Life isn't linear for any of us. Right. But if we have a plan and we start to be able to pointedly control our buying decisions, we don't necessarily have to lose our financial footing when life does happen to us on life's terms. And I think quite honestly that the financial piece of it is it's the strategy. It's that creating financial stability and, and leaning towards financial consistency. It's something that we all have the ability to create. And if we can give ourselves the space to figure that out or to pause long enough to say, this is important for me to be able to move forward after the transition of divorce, then I think that we can all be on the winning side. Not easy, but I think that we can figure it out. It's women.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, we are. It sounds like such a, a powerful decision that you made. First of all, stepping out of your marriage consciously as a brave decision, as you said, and in saying, "Okay, we're going to step out into this uncharted territory." And even though you didn't get what you expected, or maybe it was a bit surprising once you got there, it sounds like you had enough faith in yourself, even at that early point, that that somehow you had, you knew it would come together. You knew. You could figure things out. Which I feel like a lot of single parents deep down they really do have something inside of them that says, okay, I know that no matter what happens, I can figure things out. They just kind of need a little bit of like a guidepost or like what to Agreed. start with, what to do next.
2: Agree because what happens mm-hmm. is right you come out you come off those courthouse steps and you're in a fog and I think no matter what happens We have to deal with grief, right? Whether you were choosing the divorce or whether there's been indiscretions in the marriage, whatever the circumstances is that caused this marriage to end, no one goes into it thinking I'm going to get a divorce. And if you have children Mm -hmm. that are plunged into the mix or pets, right? And family, like I not only divorced my spouse, I divorced my former spouse's family, which because you don't know how to yeah. navigate that either in the beginning stages. And so I think, you know, we come off the courthouse steps and we're in this fog and we're in this place of no matter what's gone on, we have to give ourselves time to grieve. And I think there's so many stages that we walk through. Like, I just remember sitting at my, my desk and thinking, I, I wait, like literally literally, blinking and it was an hour later. And I had no idea that I had been in a fog. I remember like in a parking lot, parking my car, going in for groceries and coming out and have no idea where I parked the car. It was that layer of fog. Right. And so when you're in that space of grief and figuring out like you're, you're grieving that this thing didn't work out the way that you wanted. And then you layer in the money crap, right? Like divorce is about money. Marriage is about love. When you're bringing all of that together, when you're finally on the other side, you're having to navigate a whole lot of stuff that we aren't prepared for. And therapy Mm -hmm. is so important. Having the right tribe is so important. Having grace for yourself is so important. And then through those those spaces, yes, coming to a place of self-trust, right? I say that's the biggest thing that I learned as I navigated through these transitions, um, whether it was you know that or even making the decision to, to pivot and sell my business and start all over again, or even recently in this last year, I navigated a, a geographical change and moved to Florida. And um, it's self-trust that grew from those places of having to figure out how to get through the darkness in order to be able to get to the other side, but always being around people that are a beacon of hope, as you said, so that you're getting the right vision for what life can be like beyond what you've just come through, because there is life on the other Uh side.
1: I I love that so much. And I love that link between the supportive tribe that you have and the self-trust because they kind of go hand in hand. If you're constantly surrounded by people who Question your decisions. Who tell you it's never going to work? Who are are generally quite negative? It's going to be really difficult to maintain that level of self trust and and build it up to a level where you can make those tough calls and and trust that it's going to work out. That you have the resilience and the resources yes. to just make it work.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you know, I think that for me is the biggest piece is that when you're being super cautious, because you know, the truth is that we all have friends that are divorced. (laughs) But I remember thinking to myself, you know, when, when we first separated, all of a sudden everybody comes out of the woodwork and they're like, Oh, let me tell you about this. I had men calling me and messaging me and like about their stuff and women doing the same. And I just think, I remember thinking, is there anybody in our subdivision that's not having issues and everybody that you thought was happy all of a sudden is coming out of the woodwork to share their, Oh, he's been sleeping on the couch for nine months. And, and I, thought that was normal. And I'm like, it's not normal. Um, And I just remember thinking, yes, people will share their deepest, darkest um, stuff with you. And it can poison their experiences and how they're transferring those to you in the time where you're the most vulnerable is so important to put a layer you're right, between their stories and their experiences and yours. Like I always say, you know, you look for evidence. Is that true in your own life? And don't let their story be the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so many single parents, they have that, um, they've been through the hard stuff or they're going through the hard stuff. And they're really knowing that you can use that as the base to build your future, that you've learned this stuff about yourself and that you've become resilient. Um, that's a really hopeful message too.
2: Yeah. It could Mm -hmm. be the launch pad for the best part of your life, or it could be the diving board going into the, you know, the deep end and you just don't have anything. You don't have the life preserver on and you don't know how to swim. So it's making sure that you have the right tools, the right people around you, and definitely the right mindset for sure.
0: So what got you through it? What got you through those hard times? And was it, was it your tribe? Was it your mindset? What are the, what are the things we can use about that?
2: <laughs> Therapy, all of Therapy. it, right? So honestly, it was all of it. What got me through it was I've always been a super, you know, positive person from the time I was 20, I've had vision boards. I've always dreamt big. I was the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, my parents always like, get your head out of the clouds and, you know, um, stop, you know, think a little bit more realistic. And I never did, you know, um, I think what helped me is years of personal development and the the tools that I had in my tool bag. And I think that when you do work yourself through the journey of life and you're always looking to grow personally, professionally, specifically in this space personally, that you have that tool bag. And when there is something that you're grabbing for when you're in a situation and what is in the tool bag, isn't working, nothing, none of those tools are working, then you will, you get, you are okay with seeking support. And so quite honestly, I think one, I was lucky enough to have things in the tool bag. And also, you know, my kids had things in the tool bags and, and I was clear to be able to see what they didn't have in the tool bag. And the things that they were going through were something I never experienced, right? Children going through divorce. And so I was clear to say, okay, are they, do they have things in their tool bag? I've got the village around them that we have been building, right? We always have that village, but it's like, do they have what they need? So I think it's, it's, it, for me, it was this understanding, this humble understanding that you don't have it all figured out and that you have to have support. And that's so true of everything, right? Humility got me through. Mm-hmm. Um, humility helps us remember that we don't have it all figured out and that it's okay. You know, um, integrity helped me figure it out. Like walking with integrity and not speaking awful things about my ex-husband or talking about things that, that the children didn't need to hear because they were adult things, not children things. And listen, sometimes that advice came from my children, right? Like, you know, my 15 year old daughter saying, Hey mom, because sometimes you'll catch yourself. And so I think it's a, a combination of integrity and humility and, and courage. Like those are the things that when I think about what got me through, it's those pillars that I had been walking within my life. And now I just had to apply them through this transition. Right. Um, and Yeah, not being afraid to ask for help and go to those places where I needed to have support. You know, I think about when you just asked that question and I was thinking about the tool bag, I was thinking about how, you know, how so many of us when when the pandemic happened, now all of a sudden the kids are home. Right. And, and I'm trying to like run a business virtually. And this is how I, how I run my business. you know, I have clients all over the world. And, and now, you know, my 16 year old stepson is on the other side of the wall doing school. And I just remember thinking energetically, everything felt off. And I, no matter what I pulled out of my tool bag, nothing was working. And I was like, right. You've never been here before. You haven't navigated it. You don't have to have the answers, but somebody can help you. And and it's funny because like behind me, I have bells that I, you know, one of the suggestions that this person that I, that I had support from suggested, like at the end of the day, ringing, ringing the bells to separate my energy from closing the door and like, okay, this work is done. Blessing my office because, you know, home offices and then also clearing the energy when I went into my office. His room where he was doing schoolwork was on the other side and I could feel the energy, the negative energy. And I'm like trying to stay in a positive state. And so, again, I wouldn't have learned those couple of things that helped me navigate that new space mm-hmm. without asking for support right? And having new perspective that moved some of the blind spots that I was having and gave me more tools in my toolbox, which have come to me here. And now I don't even have kids at home, but I still am using them.
1: Yeah. The tools that we learn in any area of life, I think always offers the opportunity to transfer to another area of life or another yeah. stage of life, or to simply be able to support others Yes, in exactly. their struggles, which I think is one of the greatest gifts at that's what I experience anyways in, in having gone through my single parent journey. Uh, I'm still in it, but, (laughs) but I'm at a place that's further along than some people. And so I can share the lessons that I've learned, share the tools that I've gained so that maybe their journey is a little bit less hard.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's so important, and you know, it's our our experience, strength, and hope is really what what it's about.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of tools, one of the big things that you're known for is helping women really get their financial success together and redesign their lives. And you have some fantastic tools in your book, um, Prosperity After Divorce. Um, so I would I would tell people to take a look at that. But can you tell us a bit about your money story? I mean. How did you come to the point where you're teaching this and developing tools for other people and helping others get, get their minds around it?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, honestly, like everyone else, I had no clue and it took me some time to figure it out, right? I actually am a financial expert. I was going through my divorce and at that point had my, you know, Series 7 stockbroker's license, a financial advisor for 23 years, owned an insurance agency, was in the community working with entrepreneurs for over 18 years, helping them navigate risk management and run their businesses and protect them. And the truth was that, you know, when I went through this period, I first had to figure out how to be a business owner who went from not having the day to day responsibilities of the kids and their schedules because my former husband was home with the kids for six years to now needing to figure out every two days how to navigate my parenting and business responsibilities, and here's what happened for me, right? On the nights and weekends that I didn't have the kids, I masked my, my loneliness and my discomfort with either more work or time out to dinner, spa, retreat weekends, vacations, because I was so tired, right? And I would simply call up a friend and be like, hey, let's do dinner. I don't have the kids tomorrow night, right? And then I would treat because they said yes. And I honestly didn't navigate those early days well at all. And I knew six months in that I needed to reset and figure things out. You know, my expenses were higher as a single parent, as you know, right? I actually was the one paying support and a settlement out. And it was a lot of pressure on me, but I wasn't looking at my life picture. I was completely avoiding it. And to be honest with you, what happened was one Saturday morning, right? I got the mail. I had my monthly credit card bills from the furniture store, the appliance store, Best Buy, all of those places that I had gone to purchase all of the new items for my new my new home that I was renting. And I had used their 0% credit card offers, right? And I now open them and I see that the time is almost up. It's like, oh, in 30 days, I'm going to owe this. And I'm looking at my bank balance that had already been depleting at an exorbitant rate because I was unconsciously spending and living my life. And I just remember thinking, oh, shit, like I have to pay these and I'm down to X number of dollars in my savings account. And I got super uncomfortable and I got really scared like all at the same time. And I remember just being brave enough that Saturday morning to sit down with my other credit cards that even though I paid them off every month, I knew when I looked at the transactions, right? I looked at the balance that I owed on that, all the money that I had spent on eating out, my new gym membership, the deposit on the family vacation that my kids and I were taking. And I saw that I owed just shy of $8,300. And that was in addition to the rent, the groceries, the cable, the electric, the support and settlement payments. And I literally felt like I got hit with a brick. So I had all of these people, we talk about the tribe, right? I had great friends around me, my family, I had a therapist, the attorney, the caring mom, but no one was saying anything to me about my multiple trips to the store and shopping, my expensive weekend retreats. And the truth is I'm sure they didn't ask because they thought, oh, she's got it. Or why would I dare to ask about her money situation? Because we don't talk about money, right? The truth was that I was sitting there that Saturday morning thinking, you better figure it out because I had no plan. I had no budget management. I had nothing in view other than the fact that I had gotten divorced. And so, you know, being a self-help junkie, I was like, okay, I'll just get another book on finance and find something about, you know, navigating a transition and, you know, rebuilding your retirement, whatever. And I remember getting a book and getting it in, and it was all things finance, but it was nothing about finance and divorce. And so I thought I had to figure it out on my own. And I just started giving my, I stopped going out. Now, I didn't go into that place of scarcity. What I did was I gifted myself the time, the quiet, and that intentional space to lean into actually designing a new life. Like, okay, Michelle, if you want to define what prosperity is going to look like for you, then you've got to look in the, each of these areas, not just financially, that you really want to build your life around the kids, the relationships that you want to attract your work, my spiritual growth, my money. And I started working through all of those pillars. Like one at a time, I started working through them. But each time that I started going into a pillar, I was doing it through that lens of finance. Like I was looking at the work and the kids and thinking, okay, okay, I know that they need more from me. I know that I'm working too much. I know that I want to be more present. What would that look like if I figured that out? What would it look like to be more balanced, right? What would it look like to um, just change some of the things that I was doing, the places where I was being unconscious and start leaning into Oh, these are habits that I've created, or I'm playing from this place of emotions. If I stepped back and I worked through those emotions, how would I be showing up? And so I started working through each of these pillars. And it was a holistic approach, even though each one of them tended to come from that place of like rebuilding financially. And I kind of kept the lens on the money, but knowing that prosperity wasn't about the money, if that makes sense right it's different I love for that all distinction people. yeah and it allowed yeah. me to make yeah. the distinction it allowed me to make the distinction yeah. that i was choosing to redesign a life not just a bank account right not just mm-hmm. the retirement but i also as a woman who loves to help other women move into a place of taking care of themselves whether they're married or not is getting clear about how am I going to retire? Like when you just split half of everything down the middle and you're now starting at 45 with half of the retirement account, how am I going to retire? I don't want to be in poverty at 65. So if I'm conscious, what are the right questions to ask? What do I need to learn? How do I need to show up? All of those things were part of the formula. And it came from that place of empowerment. Like, what do I want my life to look like when I'm 65? And Hmm. just like our health, we have to choose. Like, do we want to be healthy when we're 65 or do we not care? Right. And I want to say we should care about both, right? Our health is our wealth, but we should also care about our wealth.
1: Yes, we should definitely care about both. And I, I love um, there's something you said a little earlier you, that you weren't going into scarcity like you stopped the spending, but you didn't go into scarcity. And I think that's a really, really important distinction to make that you stopped the spending. And that was an act of giving yourself space to yeah. figure out what do what do I actually want to spend my money on?
2: Yes. And it was such clarity because what was happening was I was numbing, right? Numbing the same way we Mm. do with drugs or alcohol, right? Or Netflix for that matter. Like we could numb ourselves anyway. I was numbing myself with Mm -hmm. those tools. Like I'll just go do this or go do that. And the truth was that, you know, when I think about the eating out, I think we, I think the month that I added up the credit card, it was like $1,400 was like just stopping for coffee on the, you know, I had a Keurig, but I'd stop for coffee on the way to bring Alex to school. And then, you know, I'd grab him a bagel. And then on the way, you know, to work, I would drink the coffee, but then I'd get there and my assistant would bring me a diet soda every day. And then it was eating lunch out because I'm a busy mom and I don't have time to make lunch. And then sports, right? Sports with kid, two kids in different sports, you're faced with this, whole, oh, it's eight o'clock at night. And let's just run through a drive through. And then I was like, well, I don't want to give you McDonald's. So we'll go to Panera. So when I added it all up and then I multiplied it by five years, I could literally see how much prosperity I was letting slip through my hands. And I had a choice. We could still do the things that we wanted to do. You know, so I think for me, the, the budget management, the financial management pieces, and I say budget because that's the picture, Right. I call it lifestyle design planning. I don't even like the word budget. It feels like scarcity, but it really is a plan. It's a, it's a tool. And I think for me, it's really figuring out in advance, like, where do you want those dollars to go? I use what I do is through the book, I teach people how to use two tools. One is looking at your lifestyle as a whole, not just the bills with due dates, not that what I call the yellow pad version of budgeting, where you put money in minus your electric bill and your rent or your mortgage and your car payment and insurance, you're leaving out like 70% of your lifestyle, our hair, the kids sport, allowance, vacations, Christmas, car taxes, like You've got to bring the whole thing in and you've got to do it as best you can without bringing all of the emotions in. Because when you have that clear picture, you then can start to ask better questions like, what am I not seeing? What is possible? What can I change? How can I create the money that I want to, to have in order to activate this lifestyle that I've either designed or, or even desire, because maybe you're deciding to go in a different direction and have, and and remove, maybe there was control issues in the marriage with finances. And now you're in a place of freedom and you again, have to decide what that's going to look like for you. So I think that sitting down and getting clear about the lifestyle design is the first piece. And that's what I really empower women to do. And then having a tool that helps you, I use a virtual envelope system where you basically tell dollars in advance because you know the car taxes may not come until next June, but if you know what they are, that you take and break that number down over the next 12 months and you literally save for it, like it's coming, it's not savings, by the way, you're pre, you're pre, I don't want to say pre saving, but you're pre depositing in a separate account. Every time that you have dollars come in for those things that are coming. So you're spending and those things that are, they're not surprises anymore, because I think that's the biggest thing is we've got to unnumb ourselves from saying, Oh, I didn't know it was Christmas in December. Like it's Christmas in December. every. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So fair. We can line ourselves up better when we're trying to take a look at the whole picture. And is it scary? Yes, it's very scary if there's not enough. But as you said in the beginning, it gives us rise to figure it out. We've got to figure Mm -hmm. it out.
1: Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for the avoiders? You know, the people are like, I know I should, but I just, oh, I just, uh, you know, they come up, we come up with every, and I'll put myself in this because I have things that I avoid too. (laughs) Um, We have... These things that we avoid and we come up with every excuse in the book for uh, I'm too tired today or, oh, I'm not thinking clearly or I'm, you know, my blood sugar is low or (laughs) I had a fight with my kid today and I just, I just can't like, you know what I mean? So what would be your advice?
2: Accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Have a buddy. Mm. Have an accountability mm. buddy. Right? So you don't now listen, we don't go out to dinner with our girlfriends and that's our accountability buddy. And we talk all things money, but when you do do is you schedule right. it, right? So you find somebody who can, hold you accountable, especially when, when you're in a single relation. when you're, when you're a single, it's really challenging, right? I say the same thing with couples. It's like, you've got to have committee meetings. You've got to have money meetings and talk, have it one time where you're talking about the money and it's harder as a single because there's, you don't have to, it's like, I don't have to. But the truth is that if you are going to pull yourself into the place of looking at these things, having an accountability partner and just you know, having those check-ins like, Hey, I'm working on these things and, um, I'd love for you to be my accountability partner here. And so maybe it's not an every week check-in maybe in the beginning it is, if you're trying to make some changes, but maybe it's a every two weeks or maybe it's a once a month. Hey, you know what? I've made this commitment to myself to sit down and do my planning. And I just need to make sure that you're, that I'm being held accountable. And so I'm going to text you you know, uh, or text me on the first of the month or the fifth of the month and ask me, did I do it? Uh Right. We Always have more success when we have support. And um, I think that, you know, you can buy the course, you can read the book, you can do all those things, but you're right. If you get stuck in that procrastination or that analysis by paralysis, which happens as well, um, accountability is the best place to pull yourself out of it.
1: Mm. I love, I love that. that, and I and I totally agree. Accountability is where it's at. Lots of people have this analogy: if you're if you make the commitment to yourself to work out, going to work out, you can still just kind of flake out on yourself. we, we will often not hold commitments to ourselves, but if you book the time in the yoga studio, like you take a spot. That's and right. it's going to cost you if you don't go, even if you don't go, or if That's you right. have a a gym buddy or a walking buddy or whatever, you don't want to let that person down.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you'll and, do it. Yeah. And I think the, you, the biggest thing, as you said, was it has to get scheduled. The second thing is the accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the third thing is if you're stuck asking for help, right? Yeah. Asking, for yeah. Help, asking an advisor for help or just, just till you learn, you know, I always say when I work with, with women, it's like. I'm just holding you while the training wheels are on. Eventually they come off, right? And you could take the training wheels off and you're Mm -hmm. good. So it's it's all new for many people. You know, avoidance comes from many different things. Sometimes it's because they've never been taught. Like no one taught them. Nobody taught personal finance. They didn't talk about money in the home or there was scarcity issues. There wasn't enough. The other thing is um, I've tried it before and it didn't work. I've mm-hmm. tried it. Budgeting doesn't work. Tried it. So why try again? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then as I think if there's people, only one way to budget. <laughs> yeah. And there's not only one way. There's in today's world, there's so many ways, right? And then the other thing too is um just being empowered enough to say, when I know what the what the reality is, like what what my truth is about the situation and what it is I want to create then you can start to think about, as you said, dig into that resilience and that persistence and think, okay, if the situation that you're in right now, you know, maybe you are minimum wage and you are not even getting support that you were planning on getting, right? Then how can you elevate your income as the person who's faced in this situation? Well, today... We can learn in so many ways, right? Like you can get certified, you can learn coding, you can go on YouTube, like there's, you can work remotely today. Like there's so many ways that we can create money and educate ourselves without it being a 40000 $60,000 a year education um, that comes with a degree. And I'm not against degrees, but there are ways that we can elevate our income and our earning capacity by leaning into new ways of learning skills and techniques that are transferable into earning more money including Ubering, like, you know, it's, there's side gigs and there's education. We can go either route that we want. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: absolutely. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it. Well, that's a lot of really great advice. I'm curious about the advice that you've received over the years. Um, you know, one of our, one of our favorite questions is what's some of the worst advice you've ever received?
2: Okay. I love this. So someone literally said to me, um, like literally, I can't even believe this literally said to me, yep, your ex is going to move his new girlfriend into your house, take over your old life and might just hate your kids. Be ready for that. And I remember thinking, what the F like, I just remember thinking what, you know, WTF, like, oh my gosh, is that true? Like, and it was, they were so like clear about it. And I, you know, I laughed it off when, when they said it, I laughed it off. I think I even said like, yeah, her name's Jennifer. And they were like, no, her name is whatever. And it was like this weird conversation that happened. And it was like advice that they were trying to give me. And I think I was in the separated point at that point. Like, are you sure you want a divorce kind of thing? It was kind of that advice, right? Like, are you sure that you don't want to like work your way back over there? And I just remember thinking, oh my, Gosh, that's like awful. And that was their advice. Like, this is what's going to happen to you in your life. And, you know, of course, when my ex had his first girlfriend these thoughts ran through my head. Right. And I actually wrote a chapter about this, about my first meeting with her in my book. It's called my grandmother's Afghan, the chapter, if you read it. And, and I remember walking in to yes, my home and here my son had forgotten his backpack. And I remember like going, okay, I'm going to bring you your stuff. And I actually rented in the same development. Right. So like we were literally like in, they could ride their bikes to my house. We made things very easy. And I remember walking in the door And there was my son with this new girlfriend in my home on the couch. And I immediately couldn't breathe. Like I was just, those words rang true in my head. I could hear this woman saying these words to me, this advice that she had given me, like here it is in front of me. And I'm thinking, Oh my God. And I literally like, she was super nice. And I was like, couldn't get out of there fast enough. I cried the whole way home. And I just remember thinking to myself, Oh my gosh this is going to be, could this be true? And, and when I got my, when I got composed and I took my breaths and I stepped back and I cleared the tears, you know, you go back to that. Is it true? And is this the, you know, is this really my circumstance? And I just remember thinking, okay, what did you see? And what I saw was my son was laying on her lap, my grandmother's Afghan over him. And she was like petting his head lovingly, his little red head. And, um, And what I saw was somebody that was a complete opposite depiction of that picture, right? What I felt when I walked in was that advice. And so, what I want to say is people are going to say things to you that is the worst advice, that is their story, their experience, their way of trying to guilt you, shame you, whatever. You know what? Just don't listen. That was the worst advice. And I know that's not even advice, it was sort of this like, but it really was so strong that it felt like yeah. advice. And then when it showed up, yeah. you know, 10 months later, I really thought that she was right. And was I really in this situation doing the right thing? And if this woman didn't like my children, what was that going to be like for them? So, you know, kind of weird answer, but that was my experience.
1: I, I love I love that answer. I'm so glad that you shared that story because I think, yeah, when we're in that um, place where we're making a choice, whether it's divorce or something else, and people are kind of uncomfortable maybe with it, or they're bringing their own story into it, and yeah. then they put that on you, they project that onto you, and it can, like if she had never said anything, and you had walked into that situation, would you have had the same experience? No.
2: Probably not. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, thank God, you know, that I was able to get my bearings, but, you know, many, that could have been a complete spin in, in a really, yeah. who knows what direction, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Emotionally. Yeah. And again, being in therapy allowed me to have that place to process through that. What it what it because honestly, that had never come up as I was moving through the therapeutic pieces of healing that never came up. But then when it happened, I was able to bring that conversation into the room with a professional and say, here's what I need to work through right? So I had uh-huh. through that, not just left to my own vices, which could have been pretty nasty. I could have spiraled in a yeah. lot of different directions if I didn't have the support. So yeah.
0: And there's so many negative stereotypes around for single parents. There are so many wow. horror stories that we hear. Our culture is just full of it. Women often think they're going to end up on the streets and alone and horrible things. And yeah. so Just being really choosy of what you let into your consciousness, what you let into the story that you tell yourself. And yeah, you don't have to buy all those stereotypes. Yeah.
2: I love that you're doing it's so important. Yeah. 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 They say change the channel, right? This is the channel that you change to. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You need you need to have that those messages of support and you need to see those other people who have done what you want to do. And then your brain is set and, and can see that it's possible. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Michelle, that was the worst advice you've ever received. Can you tell us some of the best advice that you've received?
2: That I've received. So I would say that the best advice that I received was honestly to, to not talk badly to my children about my former husband. That was the best advice. Like somebody saying to me, Mm -hmm. it will go so far for you if you if, have a place, you know, have your boohoo crew, have the place where you have a sounding board where you get to say the things that you need to process but don't let it be with your children and you know my kids today we're now 12 years beyond that divorce and I will say that the ability to have open communication, to to sort through things, and the fact that we can all sit in a room together. We just celebrated my son's graduation from college, and, you know, my daughter got married three years ago. And to be able to stand in a room, we now have a grandchild, and to be able to stand in a room Mm -hmm. with new spouses – um, and and have this level of we've gotten to the other side, and because we didn't get into that deep dark place of just smashing each other um, in front of the kids, the kids have had such better experiences. And I know it's not always easy when when you've got somebody who's not showing up, or there's you know other issues. Like there are, I'm not saying that the experience. My experience is anybody else's, but I think that we have other places where we can find support to be able to sort out the things that we're feeling and how we get the sounding board that we need. I don't think that we bring it to the kids. And I think that was the best uh-huh. advice. My mother gave me that advice and she had never been divorced, but her, in, in her ability to protect her grandchildren, she would remind me. Uh-huh and and it took some reminding in the beginning you know we all slip into that space and that we just catch ourselves in the emotion of things and i just remember my mother just saying it'll go so much further for you in the bigger picture if you just walk with integrity through this and have the places where you say it and keep the kids out of it yeah
1: it's different when awesome, the kids are
2: being so hurt. smart it's different when the kids are being hurt right i didn't have that situation i had a yeah. piece of that but yeah. It's a whole different thing, but again, navigating it so that the kids aren't hearing it from you, they're getting support where they mm-hmm. need the support.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I love and I that. love that term that you had, boohoo crew. I've never yeah. heard that before, and I just think that's oh, yeah. the best. Everybody yeah. needs a boohoo crew, yeah, you know, of people who will let you complain and then kick you in
2: the tushy afterwards yeah. and say, "Okay,
1: yeah. that's enough." <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. so they are okay. gonna hold the tissues and pour the wine, and then they're gonna be like, "Okay, session's over." Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in a loving way. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the yeah, people in, in a the
1: loving product. way. That's very important.
2: Yeah, for sure. So important.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right, we've made it to our lightning round. We have a few questions that we'd love to just run past you, Carmel. Did you want to go first? Oh, do you want me to start? Okay. What traditions or rituals have
1: you created for your family? Well, I guess this would be you know before your kids moved out. What were the um, traditions or rituals that you created within this new family dynamic?
2: Um, one of the rituals that I created was a gratitude journal, and I had, I, I've always journaled. I've always ha- you know come from a place of being grateful. Fear and gratitude can't live on the same plane, right? So. I started a tradition where we had a gratitude journal on our kitchen counter and it was just a little notebook, like a simple little notebook. And every day you had to write two things, something that you were grateful for, and then something nice about somebody else in the house. So wow. yeah. Yeah. So even if you were having the crappiest day, like you could open up this journal and somebody probably said something nice about you or something that they were grateful for. And so um traditionally that was definitely one of the things. The other thing that I would say to um rituals and traditions is my kids, like we listen to Wayne Dyer all the time, like on the way to soccer. Like my my son thinks that you know, Tommy's story thinks Wayne Dyer's his uncle. And um I think that traditionally it's also when they're moving through transition, it's always giving them a place to be learning and growing personally. And um, we had a lot of there were so many teachable moments that I had at my discretion through that transition. And I chose to actually lean in and create some new traditions and rituals around that space that helped all of us grow and heal and really be in a positive place together. So those would be the two.
0: Mm. Mm, That's beautiful. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of looking for those teachable moments and Because life can be crazy and in the middle of this chaos, it takes a lot of presence of mind to sort of say, oh, okay, well actually this is the moment that I can be an example or I can ask the kids questions that'll help them really grow here. I love that. Yeah, and
2: let them ask, right? There were never questions that were off limits in my mind. Um, And I think the biggest thing is, is that, you know, the, the transition of divorce is one life transition. But I guarantee you, that your children will have a transition that is planned or unplanned in their life. And if they aren't privy to how you navigate, how you show up, how you, you know, even like the virtual envelope system, like, you know, when I made the decision that we weren't going to eat out $1,400 a month, all of a sudden it was like, Oh, are we broke? And it was like, no, I'm going to walk differently with our money. And, and then teaching them when they asked, Oh, you know, where are we going to go for dinner tonight? Or can we, I was like, grab the phone what's in the envelope. Right. So it was teaching them that it's not that we didn't have it, but like, Oh, there's $33. So which way do we want to go? Do you want to have pizza? Do you want to stop at subway? Like, or, or do we have something at home? Oh, we have leftovers, right? If there were 13, like, it's not that we can't, it's what do we want to do? When I talk about, you know, these transferable things. This is what I'm talking about because now my, my children have virtual envelope on their phone and they walk with it both in their, my daughter in her business and personal life, right? Like it's transferred into all areas of their lives because they aren't afraid to plan out their dollars before they come. Yeah.
0: I like that idea. I know the same thing with me. If I, if I was hesitating about eating out, that's what I kids say. They say, Oh, are we, are we struggling? And I would say no. And I didn't, that's a great answer for them. It's just that demonstrating, because it's so hard to talk about money, um, yes. and we have so many taboos from childhood and stuff. And you never want it to be seen as not able to meet there, not not having enough money. And so, having the right words to answer that situation, it wasn't. It was just a choice thing for me as well. And so yes. I love that to sort of say, no, we're just making a choice here. And, yeah. you know, this is what we've got. And what are the values that we're going after? Is this important to us? Yeah, I Absolutely. really like that.
2: Love yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And last question. Um, what about yourself? What do you love to do to take care of yourself and um, have some of your own personal joy?
2: Well, I moved to Naples. <laughs> So that feels like I'm That's taking wonderful. care of myself because the sun, I just had the best winter of my life, right? So I came from Connecticut and, you know, I went back for 28 days in May and I was hosting some client events and also some VIP days with private clients. And the sun came out only six days and I literally was like, okay, the way I've taken care of myself is I really did build a life and a business like this new business and what I'm doing to support people. Um, it really is the true dream, like what I what I envisioned. And if you asked me eight years ago, when I made the decision to step away from my insurance practice and sell the agency, I had no idea what I was doing next. I would never in my wildest dreams have guessed that this is where I would be. And so the way I take care of myself is I get myself to the beach for a walk in the morning. I will be catching a sunset tonight. Um, I'm going to hang up with this podcast and I'm going to go up to the pool and take a swim. Like I just give myself time. I love to read. I love to, to walk. I love just meditating, listening to, to music. Um, You know, being with friends. I have a great partner, my spouse today, like we're super compatible and uh, just time with him even just elevates me. So yeah, I feel like I'm in a new stage of my life because I'm an empty nester And it's afforded me like a whole lot of weird space to make me decisions. There's like more time than I ever have had. And, um, I love it. So yeah, it's a little bit of, it's easier to navigate and balance in this space. Now I just finished writing my second book. So I will tell you up until two weeks ago, I did not feel like I had a lot of space. It's been a crazy year. Um, But even there, I knew to put my mask on. I at least got my walks in in the morning and I caught a sunset at least four nights a week. And sometimes it's just that five or 10 minutes where you just step outside and you hear the birds sing. That's it. Like that's enough for me to feel like I did something for myself, sometimes sitting here and taking six breaths and just counting that I took six breaths. So yeah. And massages, you know, (laughs) it's all of those things. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. I'm, I'm curious about your new book. What's it about? So my new book is called the path to profits and it is very, uh, it is written for entrepreneurs and really about navigating um, the process that I've used for three decades about how to build successful businesses, which is vision first, getting clear about the life you want to create and then deciding your business to align with that. Um, and then this, the third, second pillar is flow, which is all about cash flow, not avoiding the money and figuring out, you know, your path to profitability in your business and what that looks like for you. And then the third pillar is grow, which is all about visibility and getting more eyes on your business and making a bigger impact in the world with your work.
0: Yay, so, that's fun. so exciting congratulations that's yeah, so exciting. thank you I love that well it's been it's been absolutely lovely to have you Michelle we've really enjoyed this conversation and I think you've given us a lot to think of in terms of building our financial independence and our financial futures and so thank you for that is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure that we had
2: I think um you know, for me, helping people get beyond like the book is the first step, right? Getting clear about the pillars and getting themselves through the work. And then knowing that there is an extension of the book. So I have a course called it's a self paced course called mastering your next chapter. And so there is help beyond that first step where they can move themselves through a little more intimate they get into the book, maybe do some of the details, but then they get the worksheets. They get the different things to basically uncover and do the work, um, with video support. And then also I have a support community on Facebook called prosperity after divorce. There's over 2,300 women in there. And and it's an opportunity if they need to have some support there, um, that they've got a community around them. So yeah, that would awesome. be the, the things that I would add is that there's extra layers beyond the book. And, and then the book's been on, you know, it's been in, in the top 100 for four years, I'm still getting like letters every week, I get an email or a letter, it's beautiful to, to know that it's out there. And it may not be what I lead with in my business today. It's more the philanthropy side of, of showing up for women and men that have navigated through this. Um, but it definitely is is showing up in the right places. So thank you. And thank you for having me.
1: Before you leave, we want to give a big shout-out to our friend and musician, Laura Koch, who wrote our intro-slash-outro music. Laura is a singer-songwriter for the band The Quirks, and you can find them online
0: at thequirks, K-W-E-R-K-S, dot com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other single parents in your life. Thanks for listening.
1: one.